Unforgettable installment of your favorite podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan. Starring Nick Offerman. Good evening. Megan Mullally. Good evening. And just today only, and for in perpetuity online, the gorgeous, hilarious, multi-talented, and good at being friends, Sarah Baker. Yay. Hi, friends. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I think since since we know you so well, you know, we can just really let our hair down and let it all hang out. I think that yeah. fanfare ended with a cannon. Yeah. If I have we'll I put that. that in and post. My Foley sounds correct. Um, hi, Sarah. Hi. How are you guys during these, the end of days? I know. We are um, probably just like everybody else, right? Um, staying in and playing with our dogs. And not that everybody has dogs. And, you know, trying to f- deal, right? Yeah. I've never, I've never wanted a dog more than right now. We're very yeah. grateful that we have pets. Oh, you don't have a dog? No, I'm allergic to everything. It really, um, really stinks. Remember how I used to make fun of your screen door, <laughs> your back door? On yes, it's the same, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. It was it, hilarious. You'd also make fun of my lawn, which lawn. admittedly at the time was very bad. It was really weedy. It was, you would post these weedy. pictures of like a cat outside, <laughs> outside the doors, like this crappy screen door with like part of it's falling off, and then this weedy yarn. I'd be like, "Wow, that is quite a setup you've got going over there." It's, at least <laughs> no it's green now. Was spared. <laughs> I mean, you're you're on a series, so get a gardener, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I drive a 2000 Honda Civic, so okay. I think we. No. Wait, are you super cheap? Did I not know this I'm about not you? I'm not cheap. I'm, I would call <laughs> it more lazy oh, okay. or procrastinating. But I will say when it comes to cars, I just don't really care about cars. So I'm sure it would be nice to have a new car, though. Even if I had a, a new crappy car, it would still be better because I can't, like, listen – to like podcasts. I listen to the radio. I listen to like NPR. <laughs> K-Rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I literally can't, I can't do anything. I can't make a phone call. That's amazing. What kind of car is it? Did you say? Let yeah. Honda Civic. Oh, Honda 2000. Civic. Yeah, I that's, couldn't. That's a dependable ride. Thank you. It is. You can put a lot of miles on that Honda Civic. And I have. <laughs> though the odometer no longer fully functions. Ah. <laughs> so I don't know exactly how many miles, but That's there's a lot. Amazing. I've also always, um, like, I, I lived in Atlanta before I moved here, and my whole life in Atlanta was in literally like a five-mile radius of where I worked in the theater where I worked in my house. 
So I never put a lot of miles on it. Anyway, it's pretty cool. I, I never go anywhere unless I'm getting paid to do so. So I never have miles. I've never really had a car that had a lot of miles on it, I don't think. Maybe yeah. when I was, you know, in my 20s or something. Yeah, I'm a, a total, sh- I'm a shut-in. I know. I do feel like in some ways I'm very prepared for this moment because <laughs> as an actor, for one thing, I probably don't work more than I work, um, at least in general. So I'm used to being home. I mean, it's definitely weird not to like be able to see your friends and stuff. But And your, your hubby is a writer. He's a poet, which I find very impressive. Yeah, he's a poet and a teacher. So he's, he teaches at UCSB. So he's, they actually just started back today. They were on spring break, but he's able to do that, you know, from here now, weirdly. So that's so cool. So he's here. Yeah, he's used to being here too. Robert, and he has books. He does have books. Yeah, Robert Crutt, K R U T. He has a book called The Ocean. He has a book called The Spider Sermons. And his latest book is called, um, oh, God, what is it called? The Now Dark Sky Setting Us All on Fire. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. He saw it coming. Yeah, he Prophecy. did. That's the sad part. Yeah. It's very doomsday. And it was all written. I mean, it was written after Trump got elected mostly. So mm. I guess that was. <laughs> but but like not quite so plain as it is now. Wow. Um, well, I have been bad and naughty and I don't have any of his books, but I'm going to fix that. You what? I'm going to remedy that because I don't have any of his books. Oh, I should send you. Well, I didn't want to, you know, come right out and say it, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, know. You I don't think you're the one that's as been payment for us letting you be on this podcast. <laughs> you should send us that's money and those books. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, so, Sarah, you guys probably, uh, our dear listeners, will know her from uh, the Kaminsky method. Which she has been on for low these many seasons. What you you've got three seasons now, right? Just two. We're Just supposed two? to do. Well, I, I shouldn't say we're supposed to do. We might do a third, but it was already kind of up in the air. And oh, now I see, really I don't thought know. you'd already shot the third one. No, yeah, we. Oh. You're you're right in thinking that we would have because normally we would have been doing it the beginning part of the year, but it just didn't happen because schedule conflicts and. I don't know, stuff that people of a higher pay grade know about. But Oh, my gosh. And then global pandemic. And then global pandemic, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, it's a great show. You're great on it. You got a Critics' Choice Award for that show, right? Yeah, we got something. We got a, I think we got a Golden Globe. Didn't you get a, you got a SAG Award. I feel like I should know. Michael Douglas got a SAG Award for sure. Yeah. We didn't get a SAG Award because I would have had to go up there. Remember remember when I hosted it and you were sitting at that table right in the front and we kept like winking and waving and grabbing our boobs? That was And meanwhile, everybody was like, how do you know Megan Mullally? I was like, I know people. (laughs) You discovered me. (laughs) <laughs> or I, but I, I really did discover you. Yeah, you did. Reality. Because I saw you on 
episodes of Kath and Kim with Molly Shannon. And I was like, who is that girl? I must know. And so I wrote your name down. And then um, not that long after that, maybe a couple years later, you were on this show that I did that wasn't great on ABC called In the Motherhood. And I was so happy to see you because I'd been you know, unprofessionally stalking you. And um, and then amateur stalking you, I guess I should say. I don't know if there's professional stalking, but I'm not, I don't think I was doing that. Uh, I, think there's, I think there is professional stalking. You, actually, Nick had hired me to stalk you, so I guess I was professionally oh, stalking that's you. That's for sure professional then. Yeah. Um, and then... And then, Can I say what happened next? Yes, please. Well, okay, so I had met Megan doing her show, and I had like a co-star part. I had a tiny part. And you had just, I get a little, you had just seen me on Kath and Kim. Mm-hmm. Like it had aired fairly recently before that. And you're buds, obviously, with Molly, so you were watching every episode of Kath and Kim. Mm-hmm. And... um and you were so nice to me the whole day we were shooting because there was I had a tiny part, but you were so super nice to me all day. And you were like, you know, like got my phone number that day. And I was like, this is crazy because I was such a giant fan of yours going into that day. And then you went. I don't even know if you remember this, but you apparently because my friend Annie Mumolo wrote on that show. Right. And she like called me and was like. Megan Mullally came into the writer's room and was like, hey, that girl, Sarah, who played the nanny was really good. Like, it'd be fun to have her back sometime. So they immediately wrote me back in. So I got to come do another episode. Oh, gosh, I didn't even remember doing that. Nice. And then that, that so this was in like I guess we spring. will take some free books from you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then it gets even better. And then that summer... I had been in an episode of um, The Office that I think you just happened to watch. And so then this is a phone call I get. First of all, just that you called me. I was like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> and because so, we weren't really friends yet. We had just met and I was still more in the fan category. Um and Megan was like, hey, um, they're looking for people. They're looking for women for Saturday Night Live. Do you mind if I call <laughs> SNL and to recommend you? I was like, um, I guess I don't mind if you do that. <laughs> and you did. And I freaking went to New York and auditioned for SNL. Yay. Wow. I mean, that's insane. Who does that? Mm. They should have cast you. They're dumb. Uh, They're dummies. But you know who they cast that year who was so good was Vanessa Bayer. Yeah, and AD Bryant. Vanessa and AD. And who else? I think... I think that year it was Vanessa and Taryn, who I'm friends with. And I can't, there's so much great talent. I can't keep them straight. Um, so, wait a minute. All right. So, those things happened. That was all good. And then the really cool, the coolest thing that happened was you did an episode of the great but ill-fated show, Louie, that yeah. became quite... Uh, 
It was called Fat Lady, right? It was called, um, yeah, something like that. So did the Fat Lady or... It was based um, on an old joke, but now I can't remember. Something like that. So did the fat lady or something. And so you did that episode and the whole episode basically was you and Louis C.K. Pretty much that was it, right? And Yeah. So it became a huge thing. And then, yeah, so did the fat lady is the name of it. That's exactly okay. right. And... It became a big thing. And then the next thing I know, little my little friend Sarah Baker is on the front of the New York Times Arts and Leisure section, giant picture of you, and a big interview with you. Boom. Yeah. It was fucking cool. Extremely bonkers. Yeah. So what tell me about that episode. Um, it was so good. You were so great in it. And thanks. You know, from I know that uh, because we ladies who, many of us who do comedy don't, you know, we always just have to play giant characters on television and, or in whatever, um, and never get to play normal people, especially if we don't look like, you know, um, Julia Roberts or something. Yeah. And we're just relegated to these character roles in comedy. And then here you are suddenly getting to play just a, a normal person and, you know, 30 solid minutes of you and Louis C.K. kind of talking about d- deep things. And it was just so good. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was um, it was cast by Felicia Fasano and... Um, mm. But Pamela Adlon, who's the best, was there yeah. also because she lives out here and the audition was out here. And, um, you know, she obviously was working with Louie at the time. So um, they wouldn't give us the sides in advance. So we you basically had to just show up and then they gave you time to, like, work on it. But it was the sort of monologue, which is what the episode ends with, which is this... It's a scene between Louie and I, but it's mainly this woman kind of um, kind of going off on Louie about, like, men and women and relationships and why men think that, like, um, like why somebody like him would think he shouldn't date somebody that looked like me. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, Louie, you know, Jesus, what to yeah. say about that guy? Yeah. But... To his credit, with artistically anyway, I will say that, you know, a lot of people um, gave me a lot of credit for the episode, but it was it was all his words. You know, he wrote it and I think um, he had felt like, uh, you know, an unattractive fat person or whatever in his life, too. So he kind of brought that to this role. But um, but yeah, it was. um you know, we're used to, I'm so used to, especially at that time, so used to being like the come in, do a wisecrack and then leave, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get to just to say that many words, I was like, I've never said anywhere near this many mm-hmm. words in anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was um, it was amazing to feel like I, you know you got the opportunity to like 
I don't know, like to show a little bit more of what I could do. And like you said, that, you know, to be a play a whole person and not to play really a stereotype of a person either. It wasn't like she was some like, um, you know, often in comedy I'm playing like um, she's single because of course she's single mm. and she has a hundred cats and, mm. you know, is super awkward and weird or whatever. Um, so it's nice to just play a woman who was like, normal yeah maybe overweight but like confident cute funny you know interesting smart just like you are in real life you know and in in real life you know happily married and um yeah yeah so yeah it was a cool thing the other fun thing about the the new york times thing you were talking about is i had just gotten fired from a job like the week before (laughs) And, and then they were having the upfronts in New York and I knew that like the people that fired me were, were there and like would see that and be oh, like, so oh good. shit, maybe we shouldn't have fired her. <laughs> maybe they didn't think that at all, but um, oh, yeah. That's so satisfying. Can I it ask was a very question? satisfying. The, yes, please. Um, when you were describing uh, auditioning for the for the episode, I was picturing something more along the lines of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where you're sort of given like an outline and you, and then for the audition, you improvise with Larry or whoever the character that you're dealing with is. But then by the end of your story, I was like, oh, no, 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 that's right. Louis wrote the show. It was a scripted show. It wasn't an improvised show. Right. And so that's, I've never talked to somebody who worked on that show. That seems weird that you wouldn't receive the material. Is that, was it yeah. a secrecy thing? It was a secrety thing. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if that's the way that show operated all the time. Um, I don't think they, auditioned for that show that much. Like, I think a lot of times he just probably cast people. Yeah. Yeah. Cast people he knew or, and they cast mostly out of New York. So I think they just hadn't found exactly what they had in mind. So that's why, you know, I even got a chance to audition for it here in LA. Um, And I did get to improvise like once we not in, not so much in that last scene, but in other Parts. In fact, it was a good lesson for me. And I didn't realize it until I was there, but I had this thing in my head that like, because I think of myself obviously as an actor, not as like a comedian exactly. Right. And, you know, Louis is like a stand-up comedian. He writes, I mean, he's, you know, it's stories, but he writes jokes essentially. And I don't think of myself as like that kind of like, bam, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you can tell from this interview, but I don't do jokes. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> I'm just kind of a person. But um, so I felt really nervous, weirdly, about trying to be funny in front of Louis because I thought, well, that's going to just I'm going to look like an idiot because I'm not funny like that. But you then there very, was a scene. very funny. Well, thank you. But there was a scene where it was like, that they didn't even use actually it was um Ed Norton and I was it was he was playing himself and I was not Ed Norton Jim Norton. Oh my god no what that not no but he was in that episode um oh god Ed Burns oh oh right 
so he was supposed to be there and he was playing himself and I was supposed to be like flirting with him and we end up like kissing and stuff just totally like just as a waitress I'm just we're just having fun and um and the camera they had shot my side and I was just you know it, was, it wasn't it was just like gonna be a moment really to see Louis react seeing this woman um so we were just normal and then the camera was on him and he was like well you know just make me laugh and I was like okay so then I started getting like kind of dirty and just being stupid because I knew the camera wasn't on me and it was just for him and then he was like god damn it why didn't you do that when the camera was on you and luckily it was like a three-man band it was like a very limited crew and stuff so they just turned the camera around and shot it again oh that's but I was great like, yeah it was it was a good lesson for me and like look you're there for a reason like you know don't don't try to make yourself small to fit what you think is supposed to be happening here yeah. you know yeah yeah that's good that's a good one good lesson um yeah. well and then well so that was this like a huge thing I mean that was a huge uh kind of a it was great for everyone and I mean it was great for women in general and men but it was great for you right yeah yeah it, it I mean I think I want the, to know, you know that Nick has now left the podcast did he just break up with you I or me or both of we're us? We're getting a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure God. that's what that means. He could have said something. I know. <laughs> it goes out with a that whimper instead it. of a bang. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, there he, he said his piece oh, and now we have to live it. with it. Yeah. That was a quick breakup after 20 years. Oh, and then no. he was going, See, wait, he's, he's back. We've reconciled. Back. Yeah, we've reconciled. Our, I knew he'd be back. making a noise. I wasn't even that worried. Okay, Sarah, so um, one of the topics that you thought we could discuss today was embarrassing moments. So I'm intrigued because that means that you must have embarrassing moments and I want to hear what they are. (laughs) I have an abundance of uh, embarrassing moments. (laughs) Okay, good. I mean, I feel like, and I feel like you are probably the same way where some of the embarrassing things that happen in terms of like, like jobs or the industry, actually, even within feeling the shame, I am also laughing at how funny it is in the moment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? As opposed to like the stuff that happens to you when you're 13, where it's not funny at all in the moment and only later, like now sometimes stuff happens and I'm just like. Oh, wow. This is really embarrassing for me, but how hilarious that this is happening. <laughs> All right. Tell us one. Um, okay. I, I, so I actually, yeah, so I did an episode of The Office, and I was nervous. I had, I had worked, but I hadn't, I don't feel like I'd done a ton up until that point, and this was a show, like, I actually watched, you know, so it felt, like, crazy to be, like, you know, that I was going to be on it. And, oh, and I'd had a weird thing the day that we were shooting where I, like my SAG, I hadn't officially joined SAG yet. And they were kind of like, you might not be able to join in time and then they'll have to recast you. And I was like, you know, when you're an actor, like (laughs) just starting and you finally get something and then they're like, oh yeah, they're casually kind of like, you might not get to do this part. You know, you freak out. So anyway, so I already had, a day 
Harold Ramis is directing. It was Groundhog Day, which I kept saying to people and nobody cared. (laughs) I was like, but he did the movie and it is Groundhog Day and we're here with him. And everybody was like, okay. And he keeps keeps saying going again. (laughs) Exactly. Back to one. So there was a scene. So I was like playing the delivery nurse for Jim and Pam and they're having their baby, their first baby. And, um, and they were, you know, it's an important scene for their character. So there was a lot of discussion about like balancing sort of the comedy of it, but also having it be able to be a tender moment for them. And so there was a lot of changes, you know, coming at me and like even sometimes just reordering things. And so I was, you know, I was like, definitely at the height of my like anxiety but you know I I was okay and we're getting ready to roll on the scene and you know we just I sort of felt very tenuously like I understood what was going to happen in the scene and all of a sudden I had this feeling dear Mm -hmm. listeners like I had to pass wind (laughs) and I was like I could tell you know, this is, I hope this isn't too gross for you guys, but you know, you can tell like this, this is going to happen. This is not like a, yeah. this is not one that I can like squeeze back into my it's body. Past, it's past the gate. It's in the foyer. Yeah, exactly. It's going to happen. And I knew it wasn't going to, it was, it would just be like a, like that. It wouldn't be like anything <laughs> massive, but at the same time, I mean, it was literally like, okay, you know, rolling cameras. And I was like, if I fart oh, in this scene, oh I will uh, I will turn into ash and die. <laughs> if that is captured with like John Krasinski, Harold Ramis is directing, you know, all. So I had to make the decision that I was like, just one second. And I marched away. We're on like a hospital set. I like marched as just as far away as I could get as quickly as I could get. But there was tons of extras all dressed in like patient gear and i just literally marched away farted and then marched right back (laughs) like a psychotic person like all those people (laughs) were just probably thought i was i don't know disturbed disgusting they probably knew what you were doing since you came right back Uh, what else would you have been doing i mean everybody knew let's face it I mean, I was mic'd and not that it was so loud, but it was, I basically, it looked to anybody like I like marched away, farted on a bunch of background artists and then came back. <laughs> That's exactly what you did though. Hey, that is what I did. <laughs> what else could I do? That's something, I mean, actually it was probably not that big of a deal because a lot of us, that's something that we do to background artists to let them know. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's like marking, it's like a, a dog marking the yard. Their territory. Like just oh, well, there. you yeah. and Chris Pratt used to, they didn't we politely were. walk away. They were in a competition to see who could fart the longest and we the loudest. Love to rip one on camera. Oh my god, Nick is like a farting ninja. Yeah, it's no. horrible. Well, the, the the best one we did was right at the end of Parks and Rec. Um, it, it was, um, I think it was an episode where it was uh, everybody was having their bachelor party. Um, so all the guys were together, and at one point, so that it's you know me, 
Pratt, Aziz, Adam Scott, Rob Lowe, and Jim O'Hare standing in a tight circle. And we're talking, you know, Aziz is like laying out some plan or something. And I, you know, gleefully just ripped a, a, a massive high volume ripper. And within like half a second, Pratt harmonized with it and came in <laughs> with like a, you know, a superhero's <laughs> fart. And we, and I said, how did you do that? He said, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, th- my body just answered. You're like heard. <laughs> it's like catching a it was like It was like wolves howling at the moon. Or catching like, a yawn. I mean. Yeah. It was amazing. That's so funny. Wow. It was a really good job. Nick, uh, his gas extends to way beyond just pranks on set. And I am almost always the reluctant recipient. Megan loves a good joke. But here, for future reference, uh, that yeah. that is amazing because that it is mortifying to imagine being in that situation. <laughs> um, yes. But now that you've established yourself as, as a, uh, a woman of gravity – to be taken seriously as a performer. Next time, let it fly and wink at somebody. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, um, that is a powerful performer. I don't know if I would ever be that person. <laughs> I'm trying to think of embarrassing stories, and I, I can think of a couple, two or three. One of them was, um, oh, gosh. This one, this one is embarrassing, and I also feel really bad about it. Like it's it's embarrassing slash heartbreaking and terrible. Uh, I was leaving. I don't know. I think it was the Golden Globes or something. One year, I had gone. Nick wasn't there that year, and I had gone to the after party with Conan O'Brien and his wife Liza O'Brien, and uh, we were getting ready to leave, and. They said, well, wait here. And they were going to go, you know, see where the car was. And so I was kind of waiting nearby. And uh, Jeremy Irons was waiting nearby. And (laughs) I'd never met him, but he was very nice. I I must say I was, um, you know, this was back during, this was, you know, 15 years ago or something. And I was wearing some kind of low-cut dress. And I don't think he was entirely un you know, interested in me as a man can be interested in a woman. I don't, I'm not saying he was, you know, gonna ask me to marry him, but I think there was a teeny element of that because it was a very long conversation. So we're standing there and I don't know how we got on the subject, but, uh, I said that my favorite classic piece of literature was Lolita, which yes, that's a whole other conversation. And um, he said, oh, well, did you see, have you seen the the films? And I said, yeah. I said, I, I love, uh, I love the original with James Mason. Um, I don't know what happened. I was in a weird, something happened where my brain wasn't functioning correctly in that moment. And I didn't remember that he literally played Humbert Humbert in the remake which came out, I don't know, around 2000 or in the 90s or something. Yeah. So he played that, he did the lead in a remake of 
Lolita. And I said, I really didn't like the reading. (laughs) And it was just like, it was just Kukraka in Hafa, like his cute little sweet little face just, just like collapsed. And he seemed so unhappy. And I thought, gosh, why does he, why is he... Not, why is he, I mean, he might have liked the remake better. Why is he so upset about it? And then, <laughs> like, a, I don't even know when I realized. I think while we were still standing there together, I, oh, like, right then I realized, oh, shit, like, that was his movie. And so I was like, I mean, I really, I liked that one a lot. It's, I mean, I, I loved it. It was great. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But there's just, maybe there was something about the original. I, I don't even know. It's just something in a situation that you can't. Because what I should have done is say, oh my, I mean, what are you going to say? Like, I, sorry, I'm sorry. I I just now realized you're the lead in that movie. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's nothing you can do because then it's even worse. It's like you didn't even remember. But what? Oh, God, it was horrible. Uh, well, that's what's, that's what's awful about it is because really you were just being brutally honest. And that's what he knew. He was like, she doesn't realize it's me. So she's just giving her honest opinion that that movie was yes. horrible. Well, you know, Ooh. yeah, because it wasn't that it was terrible it was that I just liked the other one better and I since that's my favorite book I have strong opinions about it but also I just didn't realize when I was talking to him of course that it was him um (laughs) (laughs) so that was super super duper embarrassing and um what other crazy I've done I have another one that's similar to that which is I was leaving uh, the Tony it's all after award shows apparently I was leaving the Tonys and I had been presenting and Nick Nick was there with me and again it's all at the valet parking Um, I was standing there waiting Nick had gone to get the car and uh, I was just thinking oh my god I, I did it I got in and out without like some horrible incident like putting my foot in my mouth and I'm standing there waiting and this really lovely young blonde actress comes up to me and says, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting you. I am your biggest fan. You're so blah, 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 on and on, just being so nice and saying the nicest things. And I was like, that is so nice of you to say, oh my gosh, well, I'm a big fan of yours too. I said, I really loved you in that movie. And I named a movie and she's, there was a pause and her whole face just like turned into an iceberg. And she said, that was Julia Stiles. And it was Claire Danes who I was actually talking to. And they had both presented and they were both wearing like red dresses or something. She was like, well, she's a really good friend of mine, but... That's Julia Stiles. And I was like, oh, but I, and then I saw, and I, you know, you'd like to think that if somebody is your biggest fan, that it could survive that pretty innocent mistake because, you know, I hate to say it, but young blonde actresses, I mean, come on. So, and clearly um, not intentional. No. What else? Do you have other embarrassing, what's your embarrassing story, Nicholas? Um, I, I mean, because I, uh, I'm a bit of a clod, uh, I, 
I've had, I have a, it's hard to, for me to feel embarrassed because uh, when I do something clumsy or make a misstep, I, I'm already halfway to like, oh, of course. Thanks. For, good to see you all. I'll, I'll, let, <laughs> I'll see myself out. Um, but I was been thinking about it, and I guess the, I was pretty embarrassed when um, we were living in Seattle because Megan was in the Broadway production of the musical Young Frankenstein. Yeah. And they, and they did a couple of months in Seattle before moving it to Broadway. And from these New York people, uh, the Broadway people in the show, um, I, I found out that they were doing a production of my favorite Harold Pinter play, uh, The Birthday Party or The Homecoming. Uh, the Homecoming, I think. And it was with Ian McShane and Eve Best, and it was going to be on Broadway. And I said, oh, my God, I desperately want to audition for this play. And so um, I had my agent, like, you know, I jumped through several hoops. They refused to see me. Um, and I... And I um, and I mean, this is before Parks and Rec. 2008. 2008. So I'm unknown. Um, but like, but I, but I had done some stuff. I mean, uh, I should be able to get an audition for a, right. a play. Um, so finally, the, they agreed to let me like fly myself in and audition for their play. So I did, and like as soon as I started my first scene he like laid his head down on his arms like forehead he put his whole forehead down on his arms on the table and not even i mean i hadn't even done anything it wasn't a reaction to me being so terrible or something right it just he was like i don't even like i'm gonna take a i'm gonna take a nap because this doesn't matter and that was incredibly humiliating and you know i'm sure i was perfectly mediocre and like well and, and i'm sure th after that how do you yeah. go on after that mm -hmm. uh and, and i imagine mm. even i don't know that the situation was there to had somebody picked out or whatever but then then don't see me well, yes it was it was pretty horrible well and there are a lot of things like that i find where there is that just i don't know there's like the physiological response of those moments where you do feel like deep shame and especially as actors i think sometimes you're like oh yep just what I suspected. They know yeah. I'm terrible. Mm -hmm. But then later you're like, wait, no, that was rude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my, that's not, that's not on me. That's on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had one other thing when I was in my early twenties living in Chicago and just doing a lot of theater and I was doing a lot of musicals and, Every once in a while, I do a play, but it was like a light comedy, you know. And so, uh, I don't know why I decided to do it, but I decided to audition for a Shakespearean play that was, it was a rap company. It was like a summer stock, you know, or like a rap company that was doing Shakespeare. And so, I had never done Shakespeare, and um, I had never auditioned for a Shakespearean play, and... 
So I prepared my audition and I thought, okay, so what can I wear that looks Shakespearean where they're going to think, oh my God, like where's she been all our lives? And so I, I picked out this, you know, white blouse and, um, and this long gray skirt. And I thought, holy shit, when they see me, they're going to be like, they're going to cast me before I even audition, just based on my outfit alone. And so I get there and, you know, there's a bunch of people there and waiting and waiting. And then I uh, ran into the bathroom because I had to pee. I go into the bathroom. And then just as I'm coming out of the bathroom, the casting director was like, are you Megan? And I said, yeah. She was okay. We're ready for you. So I'm like, okay. So I go in and I do my monologue and I think, oh, snap. I nailed that shit. And I turn on my heel with a flourish and I start prancing out of the room and they're all sitting behind a long table, you know, and I hear, oh, Megan. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, they're going to offer me the part, like right on the spot. And I turn around, they're like, your skirt is tucked into the back of your underwear. (laughs) No. <laughs> my entire butt was like no. my crazy lollipop underpants were like flapping in the wind as I flounced out of my Shakespearean audition. No. That was the most truly embarrassing thing that I can remember happening in that kind of context. That's rough. Literally showing your ass. A lot of times yeah. we just feel spiritually like we're showing our ass, but you <laughs> actually showed your ass. Well, that's what we do for a living is like put yeah. ourselves in the most vo- emotionally vulnerable position day day in and day out. Yeah. So let's talk about what trashy television shows we're watching right now. I mean, it feels ubiquitous to even say, but we did just finish Tiger King oh, last yeah. night. yeah. So good, right? It was, yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I think I, I think I knew what I was in for a little bit in the sense of those kinds of shows to me, sometimes that people are like, oh my God, it's so fun and crazy. I'm like, oh, it's very dark and depressing to me. Yeah. But this was like enough of a balance that I was like, it's just a world that I didn't even know existed. So that's a lot of what was so interesting about it. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know... Yeah, I had, we had depressing. no idea that there were these little, like, amateur zoos. We've never even heard no. of that before. It's so crazy. Um, um, or that there were that many, yeah, tigers in the United States of America. Yeah, well, no, no idea. The main show that I will carry with me until the end that we recently watched the second season of, and I'm just hoping either that you've seen it or haven't seen it, because either one is good. Temptation Island. I have not seen My it. I have heard about God. it. It's British, right? Sarah, run, don't walk. No. Really? No, it's it's Americano. Only the Americans could come up with this sick shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is so twisted. It should be illegal. It's Wait, so was good. it on a long time ago or yes. is it current? Yeah. Oh, it, maybe I did. It was I think on a long I've time seen... ago, but now it's back. So this is the second season of like, it was on 10 years ago or I don't know, longer maybe. And now it's back, but it's way worse and better. 
I think I did see maybe I don't think I necessarily stuck with the whole thing, but I definitely saw part of it when it was first on. Uh, it's it's really good. Please, you and Robert will thank thank us later. Um, what else are you watching? Um, well, I know you guys watched Two Survivor. Oh yeah! Oh my God, this season is so good. So good. Oh, I I do find like. And Survivor is one of those shows that, even though I love it, um, I, I haven't always, always watched. Like, I think I watched maybe the first two seasons, and then I think it was, like, before I had a DVR, and, like, there was something else that <laughs> took priority on that night. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was something really embarrassing, like, maybe America's Next Top Model <laughs> or something. <laughs> but anyway, so I dipped out for a while, but then my friend, Michael Snow, was on... Like, I think it was, he was on Survivor Caramoan, maybe. I don't know. But it was one of those where some of the people were old and some were new. And he got kind of the shit under the stick. But anyway, it brought me back into the show. Whatever it takes. Welcome back. To get you back on board. Yeah. Come on in, guys. I did the same thing. We watched the first few seasons and then we didn't watch it for a while and then we started again. But I actually went back. Nick didn't. But I went back and watched all the seasons that I'd missed, and they're all so good. It's really good. Well, and it's probably better now because you know all – because I do feel like watching this season, even though it's incredible on its own, but I don't know all of these players. I don't know all the ins and outs of what they did on their seasons. and. Mm. I also feel like I kind of flush re- – no offense. You're, I'm sure mm. they're great people, but reality show contestants – as soon as the show is mm-hmm. over, they just evacuate from my brain. Almost yeah. all of them, but there are a few memorable ones. Yeah. But almost all of them, yeah. But yeah, I think that's why reality TV is so good is because it, it's such great escapist entertainment. And, you know, when you just really want to unplug and not think about anything, there's nothing like it. Um, I mean, it's also great to be really snobby and love cool um, indie Things and hard things, good art, good art. Instead <laughs> I do. Of bad I art. try to like watch PBS and like uh, something that I would characterize as enriching, so that I'm not just watching <laughs> no, like, garbage all the time. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, how you survive with any menu. You know, you should try and shoot for delicious nutrition often. But uh, also, you got to cheat and go get some fast food garbage that's been engineered. To bring you pleasure, vapid, yes. vapid, mm. empty calories. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Especially right now, I'm like, I'm kind of in like full whatever gets you through the night mode right now. Yeah, because we're recording this during the time of coronavirus. In case you hadn't guessed, um, yeah, it's it's all hands on deck. And like, so like soothing things too. Like, do you watch um, the Great British Baking Show? You know, I watched that when I was in London um, and I loved it, but I haven't. Yeah, we would we would love watching that, I think. And yeah. we're not it's bakers very, or any, you don't need to be a baker or anything like that. No. I mean, you're a Sarah Baker. <laughs> I am a Sarah Baker. Uh, I was almost Sarah Lee Baker because my oh dad's my middle God. name is Lee. <laughs> wow. But that would have been That's really bad. over the top. I was almost Sheila, Sheila Mullally. That's not cute. Sheila, you would make a good Sheila. Okay. I mean, you're very much a Megan, but you could pull off Sheila. 
You could for sure pull off Sheila. Yeah. I knew a Sheila who used to teach a pole dancing class that was quite popular. She was the first to do that. So I guess I could have, maybe I would have been a pole dancing teacher. Um, I could see that. Not that all Sheilas are, but most of them are. Let's face it. (laughs) Let's Um, be honest, most are. (laughs) And then, uh, oh, I was also going to say in terms of soothing, there's this great app called Insight Timer. It's a weird name. Insight Timer. And... Do you ever meditate? I I have like headspace on my phone and I have a friend who's doing um, just literally two weeks has been doing like every Sunday at one o'clock, like a guided meditation, mm-hmm. which I, I do like a, I need a guide. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not an expert level to where I can just do the, I, my brain well, will just go. Yeah, there's no expert level. I mean, all you really need to do is just sit with your spine straight and focus on your breathing or, you know, you're going to have thoughts come in your mind and just let them go back out. But Insight Timer is really nice because you can pick a little soundtrack for your meditation. So you can pick, you know, the ocean or um, birds chirping in a tree or whatever. And you then pick your sound and and then um, you can set the time that you'd like to meditate for, five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. And it gives you little nice soothing chimes every two minutes to kind of give you an idea of where you're at. And um, also on the same app, so that's kind of nice, they also have guided meditations that are really great, and they but they have tons of them. And then they also have just um, talks, a variety of people are have given and are giving on, um, you know, relaxing spiritual topics. But right now, of course, a lot of almost everybody's talking about how to deal with the anxiety of this and how to not go crazy and etc. So I recommend yeah. that. That's my yeah. Best I'm gonna check that tip. out. I also like that, um, like people like Rufus Wainwright is doing like a song a day on Instagram. Somebody sent me so so nice. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't need to go back and punch anything in. His pitch is, he's perfect. He's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good. That's really nice. There are a lot of good things like that. I just discovered, and this doesn't necessarily have to do with um, anything like that, but Molly Shannon actually just tipped me off that if you download the New Yorker app, some of their articles are also on Audible. Oh. Audio via Audible, I think. So, like there's this article right now that people are really liking with Fiona Apple and it's also, you can listen to it while you're um, freaking out or whatever you're doing in the moment. Um, So I'm very excited about that too. Yeah. I do think it's good right now. Like I I know for me, I'm trying to kind of like what you're saying, Nick, about like nourishment. Like I'm, I'm taking a more active role in trying to like feed myself good things, you know, like, um, yeah, like 
an interesting podcast or, you know, good music or, yeah, all these mm-hmm. people who are doing these sort of creative things right now, mm-hmm. which I think is good because I think sometimes when we're busy or just doing our normal lives, at least for me, I just don't take time for stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I don't have you know, 20 minutes to meditate. I for sure do. I just, right now I'm so concerned with not losing my mind that I'm actively like feeding myself. So that's, that's a good thing. It is good. And something, I mean, as terrible as this time is and scary and sad and horrible, um, something, I believe that something really good will come out of it, something that's lasting um, and that, you know, remains to be seen, maybe, uh, maybe a few things, or, I mean, I'm hoping that at least something of consequence, um, but maybe it will have to do with, with community or, um, with, you know, just, you know, this rare time of, of quietness and stillness, um, you know, just sparking things in people, creativity, etc. Yeah. And appreciation and for little things. and Yeah. Well, listen, little Miss Sarah Baker, or my bunny, as I call you. Um, and now we do. We have pretty fun nicknames for really each other. I do. I'm so excited that you came on, and I'm appreciative, and Nick is appreciative that you were able to do this today. Oh, and my God. I'm just Thank you call for you. having me. I'm just going to call you Sarah, though. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, you're not part of that. And that's that's fine. It's not an ex- it's just something that Megan and I have. Yeah, that's cool. He has a nickname yeah. for you, but it's it's kind of offensive, and I I asked him not to False. use it. False. Yeah. I I'll text it to you, <laughs> but don't take it personally. He means it old in a nice dirt way. clod. <laughs> I mean, dirty dirt. Yeah, I get it. I think I it's see charming. It. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's cute. That's my thing. I mean, I I can't honestly say I don't see it. You know. <laughs> I see it in a good way. Um, all right, Sarah, we love you. I love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Too. You too. Thank you Say for being with us. Say hi to the beautiful Robert Crutch. And I will. You guys have been listening to yet another installment of In Bed with Nick and Megan featuring Sarah Baker. Good night. Good evening. Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>